back, honorary nerd avenger, leader of our guys, tower down under, sociologist, anthropologist, all around awesome human being. And it's great to have you back and to get to speak one on one um, because one or two things are happening. <laughs> Anything top of mind? <laughs> Here we go. Oh, here we go. This morning, I was just having my first cup of coffee and on my news feed, Marjorie Taylor Greene, temporary speaker of the house. The happy hooker, there she is, microphone. I couldn't actually function. You know, it's a miracle I'm here, Mary. It's a miracle we're all here. And just to be clear, I didn't know this until you came on and we were speaking before the show. And when you said it, I mean, I know what speaker speaker pro temporary means, but my my brain froze. Like yeah, I think that was a, a brain beat. Wait. Yeah, my my neurons stopped <laughs> firing because they resisted sending the signals across the synapses <laughs> that would have would have me actually believe such a thing. So yes, don't panic, everybody. It's not. It doesn't technically really mean that much. It just means that while I guess Kevin McCarthy is busy uh, kissing Tucker Carlson's ass in some back room at Fox, uh, he wasn't <laughs> available to do the job he's actually paid to do. Uh, so he appointed the actual speaker of the house. Let's be real um, to fill in for him on a temporary basis, and. Lena, I think it's with so much of what they do, it's just to 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 get a rise out of us, to to make our heads explode, and uh, just to be as disrespectful as possible. Yeah, that is their modus, isn't it? Like just to provoke, poke, you know, stick in the the barbed wire. Because there is no logic to this happening, and we all know he's indebted to her. And so uh, the transcripts will be fascinating as she burbles on. For those brave enough to uh, decipher yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's not forget, she was elected in 20, uh, yeah, 2020, mm. just in time to aid and abet an insurrection. But still, it's not like she's been in Congress for very long. No. Uh, so she has no experience. She has no qualifications uh, except a bunch of really uh either uninformed or um anti-democratic people down in georgia decided that she was the best person they could send to the united mm. states congress i don't know um so <laughs> it's a bit of a mess <laughs> and, and as i said earlier that's maybe the 10th worst thing that happened today yeah. um <laughs> You know, I, as you know, I'm I'm going to be down in uh, Australia in June, which I'm oh. really excited about. Um, and to prepare, I did some media yesterday uh, with a bunch of different, you know, TV shows, radio shows, a couple of print interviews, and I had this moment where I could I was actually just observing what I was saying. And I sounded like a crazy person because I'm talking about fascism <laughs> and, uh, you know, these anti-democratic forces on the right and the big lie and the fact that the insurrection is now like a badge of honor for these people. And it's all true. 
Because nothing I said wasn't Absolutely. true. Nothing is hyperbole in all that. Right. And let me tell you, you've become an overnight sensation <laughs> in Australia. And so the quotable rich. quote, we all knew he was an asshole, has reverberated around the nation and everyone's going, God, I love Mary Trump. Oh, my God. You know, like <laughs> you're an icon. <laughs> Okay, that's hysterical. You didn't um, hear about the fascism and the anti-democratic <laughs> movements. They identified with swearing because as an Australian, swearing is speaking, you know. All right, so, so okay, so I need to, from now on, I need to say fucking fascists. Yeah, totally, okay. totally. Oh, you'd be endeared for a lifetime. All right, I'll work on it. It, it will come easily to me, I promise. <laughs> I so. But that's actually not what I so appreciate the feedback because I, uh, I love Australia. I've only been there once, but... Some of my best interviews over the last couple of years have been with Australian journalists um, and on Australian TV. So um, I, I sort of feel like I'm going to be going uh, a place I've, I'm really familiar with and comfortable in. Um, but the reason I, I pointed out that how surreal it seemed when I kind of took a step back is yeah. because it just made me wonder to do other people, people not in this country, people outside of our little bubble, did they see it the same way? Did they feel the same kinds of urgency? Um, yes, they do. I think there's um, a bit of a schism between always thinking Americans were a bit mad, certainly over the top, um, had this weird reverence for religion, uh, in the modern world, there was all of that going on. Um, but I think there's a class difference too. The more educated people are seriously worried, yeah. um, whereas the working class instinctively are a bit suspicious of it but kind of sympathetic to Donald in some way, in some primary way. We have our own history. Well, he's a We're, man of the working class, let's just be clear. Oh, awesome. I know he... He manages to adopt this role. He puts on a special cape and working-class men, not women, working-class men go, oh, yeah, stick it to them, you know, like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. So he taps into this testosterone-laden nonsense in a way. Um, so, yes, people who follow politics at all here or there are very worried but it goes over most people's heads, you know. Um, well, it's it's good to know they're worried because uh, it it's a lot of people here aren't. Yes, <laughs> which is just one of the. It well, literally is still, you know, it's us them. It's Republican Democrat. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. And yeah. I think that the right in this country is is taking it as an opportunity to push an agenda that is so out of touch with the majority of Americans. I mean, Florida is actually has become like Hungary, <laughs> you know. Uh, Seriously, 1956, Hungary. It's a real worry that these things keep going in and there's a ruffle for 24 hours and then no reaction, you know, and this is how it happens exactly how it happens you know right and people might think well you know it's one state out of 50 in america uh so the problem is it's a testing ground and i think we're getting a really good picture of what will happen if 
by some horrific chance a Republican gets back into the White House. And especially if they take back the Senate or increase their margins in the House, because it it's all happening at a smaller scale and it's just going to explode. And I I don't know if you've heard, but one of uh, the major drugstore chains uh, in this country has decided because of pressure from the Republican Party and Republican attorneys general uh, in certain red states has decided to not to sell the abortion pill, yeah. even in states where abortion is still illegal. And that will affect the world if a Republican gets put back into charge. Uh, do, do you all follow uh, those kinds of social issues as much or is it more well, just probably i'm not representative right i'm obsessed right, yeah. um, <laughs> so certainly there would be a small percentage um and i think it's the same with canadians and those in the uk there's a small percentage that are very worried by each and every development these incremental steps so the problem is the contagion factor. So, for example, Australia that is sane on many levels, <clears throat> we have one of the most repressive immigration policies in the world. So we have offshore processing, which is obscene. So if people arrive by boat, they're taken to obscure islands, journalists can't go there, doctors have to sign non-disclosure statements journalists can't report on them and that's been picked up by the right everywhere including the UK coming up with oh I know we'll send these people arriving in boats to Rwanda now what is your immediate association with Rwanda right I mean please and that's due to us and we now only have a hundred left in one they're concentration camps and one in another. In the sense, they, um, I shouldn't use that word blithely, but I'm not. In these, there were children in there until a few months ago who were not given names but numbers and no contact with the outside world. So um, very, very, very grim policy. I've lost track. What was the original question? <laughs> Can you remember? <laughs> uh, listen, it's it's fine that that it took that turn because I think it is. You know, my my latest drumbeat has been it's all of a piece. We started with you know, do, do you guys pay attention to some of the what they refer to here as culture wars? Uh, you know, whether yeah. it's, um, turning women and pregnant people into second class citizens. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, I did see yesterday. There's five women in Texas who are actually forming a pact to go Mm -hmm. ahead and challenge because in each of their cases they would have had a medical termination, not a lifestyle decision, a medical termination, and they were denied it and I I think go ahead with that, you know. Yeah, we need more of that, and I've always been amazed that the American Medical Association hasn't taken a stronger lead here and seems perfectly comfortable letting lawyers make medical decisions it's it's quite something but i you know one of the thing what one of the things i'm reminded of when you were talking about immigration is as you know uh during donald's administration we had uh we 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 decided to uh one up you 
on our horrific treatment of immigrants. And we had our own concentration camps. Uh, children were kidnapped from their parents. And some of them have still not been reunited with their families. We have no idea the psychological damage that was done to these children. So it seems that either, you know, we import really bad ideas and rebrand them and make them make them our own and then make them worse. But we never seem to be to be importing the good stuff like, you know, you Australia and guns, for example. Yeah, yeah. I, and it's it's sort of mystifying. It's just like we only import the bad stuff and we only export the bad stuff. Yeah. And with the gun thing, if you talk to anybody anywhere about it, um, they tend to say, oh, you've got no chance of getting rid of guns in America. No chance, no chance. There's this fatalism about it. It's kicking the can down the road to the next generation. There's this refusal to engage in even the most small saying things, registration, background checks, safety, you know, things. Um, and I think a lot of these states, like you were saying about the baiting, um, to allow minors to be able to take their guns anywhere. And so uh, how minor is minor? We've already have seen the six-year-old shoot the teacher, right? So they're doing these things to be more provocative than they've ever been before. So I don't see why if Biden didn't get a, a second term, if he gets a second term, to have a moratorium independent of elections, just ask every voting American, because we keep seeing these stats, 70% of Americans want this and 80% want that. There is common ground. Have a moratorium on gun safety. And that would be two or three points, banning assault weapons, background checks, registration. See what happens. Yeah, raise the age from 18 to 21. Well, yeah. certainly raise it to so it's above six. That'd be good. Uh, I think so. Yeah, you I also think... Parents should be held criminally liable if their children use weapons yeah. that belong to them. Yeah. But yeah, I and that that's such a good point because I I was speaking to the the nerds on Tuesday and <laughs> it's it's really difficult. It's getting more difficult uh, after this long seven year siege to to stay engaged all the time and and positive and we need to but they're so good whether it's whether it's appointing uh the one of the most despicable people ever to be in congress marjorie taylor green as speaker pro temp or uh it's you know uh banning books or essentially making it illegal to teach american history uh as as it happened uh erasing the LGBT community, whatever. And it's, I think, performative until it's not. Yes. And that's the danger. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the anti-science push. Wow. Yeah. So this actually has a history, too, in the sense it actually started under Bush. Yep. Okay, so if we back up a minute... What made America great in the first place post-war, and America's only been great for, what, 70 years, which is yeah. a blip in human history. It's Not even know, sure it's ever been great, but it did, did some great things, yes. I will. But it did go vroom, and um, because of science and innovation yeah. and research and stuff, and under Bush, I actually wrote an academic paper on this, um, 
it became the era of what's called purchased research. Prior to Bush, there was pure research, and that meant, you know, the bright thing in engineering, medicine or anything, their university actually owned the research. It wasn't a personal thing. And there was com competition for the best and the brightest. Once you bought in purchased research, that meant the tobacco companies could pay a compliant doctor or two to say there's no association between smoking and lung cancer. Right. You could get Coca-Cola off the hook by saying, look, our research shows there's no connection between Coca-Cola and obesity or whatever you wanted, you could buy it. Right. So there was a 30 or 40-year lead-in that people were mainly unaware of, but now reaping the harvest of that, this distrust of science and everything else, um, climate change. So anyone who wants to be a contrarian can make a living or even a fortune. So if you want to be the one scientist saying there's no such thing, you will be asked on everywhere. And that coincided with the media going into silos and everything else. So I think we've got to look at these tendrils mm -hmm. because how do you undo it? Do you undo it by tendril by tendril or do we need a radical solution, which is where I sit? You make such a good point about uh, the the long um, arc of anti-science rhetoric um, that has essentially been uh, to advantage corporations yeah. not just as you say coke the smoking uh smoking lobby big oil uh which is known about climate change for decades yeah. knows that it's because of fossil fuels and has been lying about it uh pr practically my entire lifetime um yeah. and in america and you you were alluded to this earlier uh along a parallel path is the uh, uninhibited rise of white evangelical Christianity, and it's it's in, it's insane. I mean, the extremism of these people. So you get those two things: a distrust mm. of science, um, and it and a total intolerance for anything other I mean than white evangelical christianity or uh extremely i don't like using the word uh conservative radical catholicism mm. by the way that's the supreme court in america right <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so Opus day come on down right and i i think if you're really paying attention which unfortunately we are i don't I don't know that you can come down anywhere, but we need a radical overhaul of the entire system. Uh, Look, exactly. Band-Aids are not going to cut it at this stage. And that yeah. brings us to one of my biggest abiding concerns is the leadership, right? So I think desperately the Dems need to um, move from this corporate Dem thing into the more progressive lane, not just because I'm an old lefty, 
But because it's absolutely because capitalism has got so out of control without regulation that it has to be reined in big time, not tinkering with the edges here. You know, corporate profits are going through the roof. Um, shareholders are doing very well, and Joe Public is paying for it. You know, Joe Public's paying for it uh, in very real ways, and. Other people are paying for it by having their rights taken away from them. Yes. Yes. So, so you've got a situation where people are more threatened by a man in a dress than they are by assault weapons. There's some fundamental disconnect in the sanity stakes here. You know, like, what? And and I think that that brings, this is at least my my, where I stand on this, we can't really get anywhere from here unless and until America recognizes that the fundamental reason you can terrify a bunch of white guys into thinking that drag shows are more dangerous than domestic terrorists Amazing. showing up in grade schools with assault mm. weapons is white supremacy. Yeah. And it's so hard with these labels and tags and references, you know, I'm sure, for example, your esteemed Speaker of the House wouldn't be able to distinguish between communism, fascism or any other ism. And so they become meaningless. So yeah. you can't even reach for these things and call them as they are because people actually there's been enough of a time lag to not understand that Nazis are a threat and that white supremacy may not be the best way forward. You know, like, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare and and um, I, I think part of the problem, well, <laughs> there are so many, but <laughs> a fundamental uh, divide between right and left in America is that the right is so much better at co-opting language. Yes. Um, but of course, that's they're also given the advantage of having state-run media, essentially, or mm. well, if it's a Republican in power, or a twenty-four-hour propaganda network that um, is finally being revealed to those who weren't paying attention for being as bad or worse than most of us have known for a long time. Of course, I'm talking about Fox, mm. and yet, you know, the problem is. The people who need to hear that message aren't going to because they're watching Fox. Yes, yes. And this is the challenge yeah. going forward, how to get to people. And Arnold Schwarzenegger said yesterday, I think, I never thought I'd live to be quoting Arnold, but <laughs> he said, hate is for losers. Yeah. So the Nazis lost the Confederacy lost, apartheid lost, and so maybe that's the level. You have to meet people where you are, you know, the new key phrase. Um, <laughs> They're making it really losers. hard. <laughs> maybe you can't have an intellectual debate. You just have to go haters or losers, you know. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a T-shirt and it's, it's basically a Confederate flag, a swastika, and uh, all with, in red circles with lines through them, obviously, yeah. and yeah. Um, a MAGA hat. 
and it just says 1865 you lost you know 1945 you lost um i think the problem one of the problems is that uh the the north did not actually win the civil war but that's a, that's a complicated conversation yeah but, and but also i don't think the south is actually acknowledged it either so nope. what you're dealing with now in a nutshell is an unresolved civil war you know an unresolved civil war that the forces for good and let's be very clear there was only one first of all unlike most countries uh developed countries we only have two political parties uh so when you say that only one political party is pro-democracy that's 50% of our political parties. <laughs> that's pretty, that means 50% of our political parties aren't pro-democracy. Yeah. That's very alarming. When they are reluctant to use the kind of language and not just use it, but back it up. Like, hmm. as you said earlier, McCarthy, all those, they call us communists and socialists and Leninists and Marxists mm -hmm. and fascists, but they're, ne they never, they can't explain what that means. No. We can explain our terms. Mm -hmm. So we say white supremacy and they, they, they call us racist against white people, but you know, the terms need to be explained and agreed upon. And, and I think that's one thing that makes it very, very difficult to meet anybody where they are. Yeah. Yeah, almost impossible. And because the emotional issues cloud the day-to-day -day political issues, the working class struggles to identify who is really their enemy. And so they blame immigrants, they blame women, they blame drag queens, you know. So you, you don't see them with their hands on their hips going, I'm going to stand up to that big corporation. And... As Bernie pointed out during the week, and I've said on my program before, America has actually been an oligarchy for quite some time. It has not yeah. actually been a working democracy for quite some time because when you have half the eligible voters not bothering to turn up, it's not functioning. Listen, I don't think America's ever been a democracy um, because... Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, huge swaths of Americans have never been allowed to vote. And even though the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act were, were passed in the mid-60s, um, which always freaks me out because I was born in 1965 and that's when the yeah, VRA was, was going down. That's yeah. not, I mean, I guess it's a really, really long time ago, <laughs> but I'm still alive. It's not that long ago. Um, so it's. And ever since then, I mean, certainly since uh, John Roberts became uh, head of the Supreme Court, all of those rights have been unraveled. And now the Republicans are using voter suppression, voter subversion, gerrymandering to make sure people don't vote or can't vote. So, no, if, if, if you're eligible to vote and you can't or it's made so difficult because you have to wait in line for eight hours or you can't yeah, take time off for work, it's not as a mystery to other countries, right? Well, it's, you know, it's, in the sense that in Australia on voting day, voting was deliberately made on a Saturday so working men, as it was then, <laughs> could vote. That's right. <laughs> right, which is a bad joke now as everyone's strapped to the wheel. But, you know, nonetheless, it was important at the time. But my point is I can go to any voting booth in a 20-mile radius and there would be a uh, 40 
you know, mm-hmm. any school, any church, any anything has a voting booth. So it's really easy to vote. We roll our eyes if we have to, you know, 20 people in a queue and you have what we call election day sausages, you know, so you have your sausage. By the time you finish your sausage sandwich, you're at the front of the queue. Well, yeah, as a white person in America, I've never had to wait in line for more than five minutes, except for one. Oh, that's interesting. And that was in 2020. Mm. And I had to wait for about 20 minutes. Everybody online was white, of course. Yeah, but but you hear uh, these stories of eight and nine hour waits. For black and brown people. Yeah, and that's why it's been closed at the last minute in and- black and brown neighborhoods. That's why Republicans know that if everybody who has the right to vote can vote and does vote, they will never win that's a right. nationwide election. So that's the that's the answer to the mystery. And it's I- these little—well, they're not little, but these structural things, these literal roadblocks, all yep. add up over time. You know they do, and now to add to that mix, the the last thing I said, uh, one of the oh sorry, my back is like killing me. Oh, I should I need to stop moving. Um, <laughs> voter subversion is a relatively new phenomenon, and that's convincing millions of people that the election was stolen from them, that the mm. election results were illegitimate. And, you know, I'm sure Donald's already telling people that if he loses in 2024, which he will, <laughs> that it's that it was stolen from them again mm, and he'll mm. call for another insurrection. So it's it's sowing the seeds of doubt in the most important mechanism in a democracy. Does that mm. seem insane to you guys? It does. It okay, absolutely cool. does. Um, because one of the, the, the basic tenets of democracy is accepting the result. You take that away and that on its own takes a democracy away. And that should have been a turning point in how yeah. oh, Donald yeah. was covering our friend uh, and fellow nerd avenger, Brian Karam, a White House correspondent, asked Donald, in I don't even remember, but well before the 2020 election, will you accept the results of the election if you don't if you lose? And he said no, no. Then, and I mean and I think he said that in that, a debate with Hillary as well. Yeah, and then there was the soundbite with Steve Bannon talking to the Chinese. Remember, saying does it? Oh, track it down if you haven't seen it. <laughs> He's talking to five or six. Um, Chinese representative, I'm not sure where they fitted into the government, um, saying, but look, whatever happens with the election, if he loses, we're just going to say we won. Yes. And, and yes. you can see the look on their faces of going, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, no, no, that's the secret. You just say you've won. We're going on. It's, track it down. It's well worth seeing because that is absolutely mind-bending. And it's a strategy. It, it, it's, it's, that's what he was pointing out. He's the strategist, right? You know, like, but ugh. it's a strategy built around the psychopathology of a potentially malignant narcissist whose ego is so fragile, mm. he cannot lose. Like, cheating mm. is okay. Stealing is yeah. okay. As long as he can, you know, get the W, right? Yeah. So, mm. I don't know. I mean... The fact that 
we've learned, we seem to have learned nothing. The media seem to have learned nothing. And I'm wondering from your perspective, uh, first I want to know, uh, are you surprised that uh, things are, have not gotten better, uh, that, um, you know, we continue to accept this person uh, who <laughs> you know, committed an insurrection against its own government, etc.? Um, yeah, it is surprising. But it's not surprising that it happens. The lack of reaction is surprising. So, for example, remember when Donald first got elected and three million women spontaneously, more or less, went on the streets, right? Yeah. Now, had that momentum either kept up or been resurrected during it, I don't think things would have got as bad as they are today. They might have still happened, but there'd be more awareness of other Republicans, oh, this isn't going to fly, you know, look at this reaction. They never, they've never been challenged on the street. They've never been challenged. So that is a wave through. And I'm constantly surprised and disappointed at the lack of outrage so what I hear from decent Americans is exhaustion and going inside. You know, there's this insular reaction, not putting the rage out. Where is the rage? Yeah, I think that the last, the last large scale, and they weren't really protests so much as actions, were during the Muslim ban. And then, of course, yeah. uh, after George Floyd's murder. But that was a, a qualitatively different kind of thing. We're yeah. talking about protesting the administration. And obviously, parts of those protests were about, about how the administration handled it. But those protests were sparked by the fact that a white police officer brutally murdered a black man with total impunity and took nine minutes to do it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, but it was but, a physical manual nature. If yeah. George Floyd had been shot, we would not know his name. That That is welcome to America. Uh, <laughs> that is horrifyingly true. But I think, well, obviously, COVID happened and that kind of tripped everybody up for a long time. But one of Donald's strategies and the, the Republican Party has learned from there. There are a couple that are relevant here. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we can't ignore him because he continues to be the leader of the Republican Party, which, again, is only is one of only two uh, political parties in this country. Uh, he pushes the envelope, tests to see what he can get away with and then keeps pushing beyond mm. the point of logic and then he keeps getting away with more and he floods the zone mm. um and whether it's with forty thousand publicly told lies or uh as steve De bennett pointed out just you know taking saying he won yeah um kidnapping and torturing children and their families um and making it uh not illegal is the wrong word, but, you know, making it impossible for transgender Americans to serve in the military, the transgender ban. I mean, there was so much going on and we'd already been traumatized on mm. November 9th, 2016, mm. that I don't think we ever recovered. And you're right, though. Protest is what is needed, but we are exhausted. So when you see your leaders do things that kind of 
give the other side energy or seem to be caving for, and I'm just gonna, you know, I try not to beat up on President Biden, but this was particularly egregious. Interfering with Washington, D.C.'s ability to govern itself mm. while Florida is just a closed fascist state at this point because DeSantis, Governor DeSantis is doing whatever he wants. Sorry, I know I'm rambling, but I, I just, I want to yeah. get your sense of what might be a corrective because as I've, I've said ad nauseum, it's really difficult to recover from trauma when you're currently in the process of being traumatized. Yes. Yes. And they keep hammering it. So no one can come up for air. So I'm not criticizing individual Americans for not paying, but there yeah. needs to be some sort of rolling action so that you can rest after your bit takes it on. The pressure it just isn't there. Right. So DeSantis can continually, he's pushing the envelope, right, inch by inch, yard by yard. Oh, no one said anything about that, so I'll go there. Where is the pushback? You know, where is it? And I'm hoping it'll be young people because although you and I could sit here and lament oh, young people don't read anymore, no, 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 no. That's actually not true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also I'm hoping that the censorship and stuff will lead to a curiosity, lead to an outrage, <laughs> and there might be a more radicalised youth. But they can only go so far if you've got really conservative small C Dems yeah. holding the line on being middle of the road because the answers aren't in the middle of the road they were for 20 or 30 years and probably obama saw the last of where you could paddle through the middle of the stream and hope for the best yeah um no more if america is to be reclaimed it there has to be more organized action and um <clears throat> excuse me effective boycotts the problem is people are extremely individually concerned and wrapped up it's really hard to tap into the collective um, for an hour let alone over a product they don't like or something so for example if 60 million americans didn't go to starbucks for one day there would be pay rises in starbucks right but to get 60 million americans to do that mm. so i don't know you're, you're being, uh, just to finish that point yeah of course America is now getting, this has been the narrative for a very long time, individualism is now killing America. I'm so glad you said that because that gets, that gets, that's gotten dropped from the conversation. Mm. Uh, and I actually, I write about it in my second book, uh, The Reckoning, because it is a strain in American culture and politics that, has always been misguided, but as you just said, is absolutely dangerous now. This whole idea of rugged individualism. Mm. Uh, first of all, because it's total bullshit. Yeah. Um, and secondly, because it creates a system in which, you know, there's a global pandemic and half of America can't be bothered to wear a mask to save other people's lives, including their yeah. own or their <laughs> children. Because of the F word, freedom, 
That's it's my freedom to not wear a mask. So it's my freedom to put you at risk. There comes a consequence because, as you was just saying before, they can always co-opt the good words, freedom, liberty, all of that stuff always belongs to the right. That's right. <laughs> you know, so and um, some really basic stuff about freedom. And what about, in the, is it the thing of independence or the Constitution, but it, you have the right to freedom and also the pursuit of happiness so that's fallen off the radar, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, you know, and it's it's am amazing that you you say that because <laughs> that also is something that doesn't get talked about enough. In the Declaration of Independence, we are guaranteed the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of and happiness. Right. Mm -hmm. So we now live in a country where at least 30% of people in the country think it only applies to them. Yeah. And they can do whatever, if it makes them happy mm. um, and it makes them feel free, they can oppress anybody they want. Anybody. As long yeah. as those people don't belong to the in-group. Yeah. <laughs> so Exactly. exactly. You um, know, um, yeah. Yeah. I just feel like we could just be gobsmacked all the time. Like, <laughs> uh, well, yes, and I think we are because you think nothing can shock you anymore and then you have something like this morning. Um, I don't know if you've caught up in the last couple of days. Your cousin Ivanka has thrown her brothers under the RV in the court cases. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, even though I, I am not a tarot card reader or psychic or anything, I said she would about two years ago, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> totally. I wasn't there. I was a senior advisor at the White House, for which she's supremely qualified. Oh, yeah. Was she on handbag duty or something? Um, <laughs> so it was other individuals. Who would that be, Ivanka? Oh, let me see. Who? <laughs> who's a bigger fish? Who's going to get her out of trouble? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that should surprise absolutely nobody. You yeah. know, it's all transactional and it's all figuring out. Okay. Um, on which side is my bread butter? <laughs> you know, so that it's that is completely consistent with with who these people are, and yet, yeah, uh, there's this worship of them, and I that may be the most troubling thing, and it it's sort of related to what you were just saying about you know the right to be happy and and be alive, um, yes. and be free, uh, is that we don't seem to. Um, let me take a step back. I have a friend who's a First Amendment attorney, and he said to me once, the founders were a bunch of idiots. And uh, most of them were also slaveholders. And if you look at the American Constitution, it's terrible. And it's mm -hmm. almost impossible to, like, I, the chances of getting a constitutional amendment to change anything, I think oh, is, is beyond it. comprehension yeah. at this point. But, you know, we instead of having a free, uh, yes, we should have a Bill of Rights, but we don't have a Bill of Responsibilities. So... Yeah. We end up in this place where um, the the idea of being kind is somehow a deficiency, or kindness is considered a deficiency, and cruelty is considered strength. And you see yes. that with the word woke. Like, what do you guys make of that? Yeah. And this is the problem with these far-right 
really savage evangelicals, if they were just practising Christians in the general understanding of it, the nation wouldn't be in the crisis it's in. It's a particular trope of Christianity. And I don't think Biden uses, for want of a better word, his Christianity as much as he could have. As a Christian, I cannot support this. As a Christian, I cannot support that. Throw it back in their laps a bit, you know. Hmm. That's tricky, though, because I, 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 I don't disagree with you exactly, but there's supposed to be this thing called the separation between... Oh, look, absolutely. I know you know that. I know you know no, that's it is absolutely you're right to pull me up on that. That but, was a flippant remark because look what's happening in New York. Oh, with the oh new my god, mayor who can't possibly separate church and state. Well, then you can't do your job. I, I, I mean, then then resign. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And and that no, you're absolutely right. I was just being, but the reason I point that out though is because they that then gives them another arrow in their quiver that Democrats yeah. can't use and puts us at a disadvantage. So I, I do think as much as it, was, it would sicken me, quite honestly, <laughs> I think President Biden should do that on occasion. And on set, occasion. And not set the on. record straight because it's not saying he's not saying, you know, we need to follow the ways of Christianity. What he's saying is you're lying about what Christianity represents and you're twisting it in a way and you're deceiving That's people. That's what he should be saying. Thank you. As I was brought up to believe in this context, it means this, not that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, well, that's basically what you said. I just wanted to clarify yeah, because it does get. Yeah, I, I don't want know. him going out wearing his Christian hat every morning. <laughs> no. No, but that's one of the, I probably, uh, we cannot underestimate the the great harm that's been done to this country by our failure to reign in religion. Uh, it's just, yeah. you know, I don't know if you guys have mega churches, but we have mega church pastors who are have net worth of seven hundred million dollars who I fly know. around and in, yeah. yeah. I know. now Australia until about fifteen years ago had a really clear separation of church and state and largely because that's because we were so slack it wasn't a principled position it was just slackness <laughs> um, that and that worked really well for a very long time right? and people wouldn't even know what religion any of the high court judges were or anything to the, then about 15 years ago or probably 20 now oh god they slipped by those years <laughs> um we got this mealy-mouthed um, conservative in and since then it's crept up Hillsong then arrived and so attendance from the conventional denominations has diminished and Hillsong has risen but our last prime minister Scotty from marketing um, who was a Pentecostal he got exposed you know but he was taking it down that line you know, but for example, in Sydney last week, we now in New South Wales have a hard right Catholic premier, hmm. and there's no way he could have stopped Mardi Gras or World Pride or even think about it, even though he's got seven children and he'd like it all to be different. Right. So, but you've still got to always keep an eye on this. Yeah. 
you know. Yes, it requires vigilance because otherwise uh, the majority, you know, treads all over everybody else. And next thing you know, you have a significant minority of people in this country who actually believe the United States is a Christian country, which <laughs> is not true. And I, I think it's not an overstatement to say if Americans do not act now, there is a high risk of the country splintering or certainly losing power on the world stage, certainly losing power and prestige everywhere. You know, it's really into a high-risk zone now with this ongoing madness. Which is only getting worse because, again, it's unchecked. The fact that, and it, and it isn't, a lot of it is Donald, of course, and again, sadly, we can't, Pretend he doesn't exist um, because he's running for president. Sure. And at the same know, time, attendance at CPAC was at an all-time low. What do you think yeah. that was about? I think his shtick is getting really old. I yeah. think a big part of it has to do with the uh, the organizer of CPAC is being sued um, by a male aide to former Senate candidate Herschel Walker for sexual assault. Ooh. So that Ooh. doesn't really play well. No. Um, although, of course, you know, most of the pedophiles and, and uh, sex criminals are on the right. But anyway, um, yeah. So and, and a lot of other people didn't attend uh, DeSantis, et cetera, et cetera. So mm. a lot of bigger names didn't go. But I think mostly is that people are tired of a shtick. However, mm. if he gets the nomination, which I think is the most likely most likely outcome, Mm. everybody's falling in line. Yeah. But I don't think they will be the red wall they would normally be. You know, they've always been really good at pulling in the one direction and it's really starting to fracture <coughs> visibly now. Um, Mitch McConnell has lost power, like he came out and said what he said the, the, the other day and no, and no one bothered with it, you know, like... <laughs> enormous power he's had for decades they've yeah. they've lost control of the gop um within its own ranks and there was something else i was going to say about arizona oh yeah arizona gop lawmakers are now tearing at each other because there's mm -hmm. a new conspiracy theory on the block that mexican cartels are paying off rhinos in the GOP <laughs> in Arizona. It's getting very complicated now to follow, you know. But I thought that's really interesting, you know. And so they're savaging other GOPites for being in the pay of the Mexican cartels. Yeah, because, you know, that's that along with the fact that the uh, paper ballots were made in China. So, of course, there are slivers of bamboo that can be found as evidence. Yes, yes. All of that is th so likely. But it is heartening. I agree with you because the, the, the truism here always used to be Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. And now we see Democrats doing both and Republicans yeah. doing neither, which is yes. great. But I want to ask you, though, uh, don't you think that the, the concern is that when people like McConnell see their power diminishing and Republicans in general don't you think that makes them even more determined uh, to pull together to win again? Because Okay, but that does require a whip. 
that's what we called in Australia. Who is that the speaker's role? I'm not sure how it works in America. Uh, it's the second in command is the whip. Yeah. Okay, to pull them into line. Yeah. And that's why this ignoring Mitch was important because they haven't got a single person with that power over their own members in a way. And this is why right-wing regimes ultimately fail, not because of the inability to convince the populace, you know, they'll just go there. It's the inability to keep themselves in line. And mm -hmm. so I think we are seeing that switch over where the Dems are buttoning up, queuing up in the right direction. So I'm hopeful it's the self-destruct that could ultimately prevail. Well, as um, Senator Lindsey Graham tweeted on my birthday, actually, in 2016, <laughs> if we nominate Donald Trump, we will be destroyed and we'll deserve, we'll deserve it. I'm it. paraphrasing, but that was pretty much yes. what he said. So, And he was right. He, well, not yet, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that will come to pass. And not just yeah. his, the, the whole movement the whole um because australia if you're listening it's fucking fascism <laughs> yeah it absolutely is it absolutely, absolutely is. is what you, what can be taught in schools and all this stuff you know who would dream that america would be supervising banning of books you know after the second world war uh, it's it yeah it's unthinkable all of it is unthinkable, but it's happening. We need yeah. to wrap our head, heads around it. We are living in very dangerous times. So one uh, one question that I, I know it's a pretty question for a lot of people, but uh, and and I'm probably just going to be showing my ignorance of what you do. But have you ever read the tarot cards for American democracy? Or is that not possible? It oh, has that's to, what know, I do for a living. But I mean, <laughs> but like, no, I know. But you do it. Oh, you mean the big question? Yes. Will yes. it survive? Can't do it. I can't go there. I don't want to know. Right. But it's theoretically possible that you could. Oh, yeah, theoretically okay. possible, regardless of what people may think of, you know, a tarot reading. Right. Um, oh, speaking of, did you know Stormy Daniels is a tarot card reader? No way. One oh. of my viewers pointed out to me she's done over 300 readings. Do you want to meet her? People. I'd love to meet her. Okay. I don't, I don't know her, but I know people who know her, and she'd probably oh. love to meet you. How good is that? Yeah. I think um, that's a really gosh. hopeful note to end on. <laughs> I think so. Lena, this has been, I so enjoy talking to you. And uh, for those out there who, like I, am, I don't think skeptical is the right word. It's just sort of not my thing. Your tarot card readings are fascinating. And um, I highly encourage people to... Uh, Go watch your videos. Uh, just remind us what you're... Uh... Right. So I do political readings, mainly on the US, proudly not fair and balanced. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the tarot cards give me an ability to discuss all these issues with another vocabulary. You know, that's how I look at it, you know. And so you're welcome to come on board. It's Tarot Down Under, and I do a video every four days. Fabulous. And that's how we got to know each other. Yeah.
because I still don't quite know how I found it, but there was your... Will anyone recognize their own name? You know, it would have leapt out. And thank God I titled it Mary Trump or we would never have met. Yeah, probably just showed up for that very reason in in my YouTube feed. So, yeah, so here we are. Uh, It is, again, it's been such a, a pleasure to get to know you, but also... To have you uh, be an honorary nerd, we're going to have to make that official. The time difference makes it a little tricky, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And just to get some time to, to speak with you one-on-one, I really hope we get to meet in person, um, either in New York or, 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 or down in Sydney. Uh, Linda Rodriguez, thank you so, so much for spending so much time with us tonight. Uh, it's been awesome. Thank you. I've had a great time. Thanks. Take care. isn't she fabulous seriously she she just knows her stuff and uh it's it's great to get the perspective of somebody who's who's looking at this country from the outside in but also somebody with her training her background in sociology i think um makes her insights uh even more incisive um so Thank you, Lena Rodriguez. And thanks to all of you for joining us tonight. It is wonderful, as always, to be with you on a Thursday night. And uh, don't forget, we're back tomorrow at noon, Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for House of Horrors. And then, of course, back again next Tuesday with the Nerd Adventures, also at noon, Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And you can catch both of those shows as well as the Thursday night interview show at youtube.com slash politicon and while you're there uh if you're not watching the show live you watch the recording you can like the episode you can leave a comment you can click on that button right there to subscribe to politicon which just means that you're going to be alerted anytime a new video drops and we've got uh our shorts coming uh every saturday and on some wednesdays uh when i haven't thrown my back out and uh course all of the shows are available in podcast form on apple or anywhere you get podcasts and uh five star reviews are really really important for helping us grow the show so if you are so inclined we would be very very grateful if you could leave the show a five star review on apple um and maybe even leave a comment uh so that does it for us thank you again so much for being here i will see you tomorrow And in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.